Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? Going well. I think I may have set a new SBC This Week record for tweet sent in a non-SBC annual meeting week. Yeah, this was a big. This is a big week. You yeah. were you were live tweeting like crazy. Yep, I uh, I commandeered a table at the executive committee uh, this past yes. week with Holly Meyer. Saw the picture. Saw the picture. Yeah, we uh, we we sat there in the back of the room at the SBC executive committee special meeting on Tuesday yes. and uh, and gave a kind of a play by play of the day and uh, yeah. got kicked out of the room at one point. Well, not kicked out of the room, but. It's they executive went to executive session. session every, so we all had to leave. Everyone who's not on the yeah. committee gets kicked out. That's normal parliamentary yes. procedure. So I, I did not take offense to that. Yeah, because the way you just said that sounded like they said Jonathan Howe kicked out of the room. That's basically not. what Singh did. But <laughs> 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 nah, um, no, nah, just like just like we had yes. actually had a good talk with Singh this week, um, and uh, a kind of a follow up to our conversation with Jason Dusing on Monday. If you missed that, be sure to go back and check that out. Episode one fifty three, our conversation with Doctor Dusing about the resolutions committee. He's the chairman of that this year, so he uh, provided some great insight into that. Uh, but had a, had a good day at the uh, the SBC annual, or I'm sorry, the SBC executive committee meeting on Tuesday. That was uh, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll talk a little more about that here in just a minute. Uh, but before we do that, we do want to thank our sponsor for this week's episode and every episode, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. They are committed to training future pastors, missionaries, and gospel leaders. You can learn more about undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral degree programs by visiting sbts.edu. Saw a lot of tweets uh, from them this past week. They had a big fundraising kind of online uh, Twitter yeah, day. Yeah, they're so giving was, days. They, yeah, so that was, uh, that was kind of fun to see. He said... Had a, uh, a representative from Southern at the uh, executive committee meeting the other day. You had a chance to chat with him and uh, missed Colby and Dr. Greenway, who usually come down. And we always kind of pal around a little bit, uh, the, the guys from, from Southern. Uh, but they were not there because they had trustee meeting this right, week. Right, busy. So we'll, we'll get to that here in, in uh, just a few minutes uh, later in the show. But uh, the big news of the week, Amy, obviously, was the executive committee search committee being formed and electing officers on Tuesday. Yeah, so talk to us a little bit. We can list who all of that is. Talk to us a little bit about the process because we discussed this last week, how kind of intricate it it would be to prepare people. So what was it like being in the room? Well, um, the yeah. process was, was basically exactly what we said last week, so I felt pretty good about that. Um, yeah. We didn't mess that up, so that was good. That's good. <laughs> I felt like we I, we covered it accurately. We were in uncharted territory because that bylaw got passed this is the first time that it's yeah, had it's to be used. exercised. Yeah. So, so and, and actually, with the exception of one thing, I think everybody in the room was okay with it. Um, okay. There was quite a bit of consternation, it seemed, from the executive committee members about trustees being eligible to serve on the committee past their trusteeship. If that makes any sense, so they roll oh, off. Oh, okay. June, so if they roll off, and yeah. There was quite a they bit of um, concern committee. about that, but in the end, it, it. I mean, it wasn't unfounded concern. It was, I thought, quite founded concern. Um, but they actually wound up not selecting anybody who will meet that criteria. Who will so, roll off? And 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 yeah. it. So just to d- dive into that a little bit, it makes sense that that would be um, concerning. Yeah. So the idea is putting someone on the search committee who is set to roll off of the 
larger executive committee in June and them still serving on the search committee, correct? That's the, that was that the is correct. That is correct. And, and, and one thing I thought of, it wasn't just that, but you had ex officio officers on there as well who are right. only on there because of their um, position as officers in the SBC, Steve Gaines, Linda Cooper, right. and John Yates. They were all also eligible, even though they right. weren't elected to the executive committee uh, and like a trustee side, you know, side of things. But their terms are all up in June as well. And, and right. uh, Steve Gaines is not eligible for another term. Uh, he would have been last year, obviously. John Yates, obviously, is. There's no term limits on that. And I think Linda Cooper is not quite done with her five years as uh, potential, you know, five terms as uh, WMU right. president. So they, she would have been, it wouldn't have been too big of a deal for her or John Yates probably because they will most likely be elected in June. But Dr. Gaines was termed out. So he could have been on the committee, served past his time as SBC president, president even though he right, wouldn't have been on the committee whenever the committee more than likely would make his decision. So wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. You just use the, you're using the word committee interchangeably. So he would not be the ex officio Member person on the, the executive committee, committee yes. but could have been serving on this on search, the committee. search committee. Yeah. And the place, because a lot of people think, well, that doesn't make sense. The place where this splits hairs is that the bylaw is talking about people who are eligible for election. Yes. They have so to be members at election, not at election members while time. they serve. Yes. Right. The The bylaw does not discuss the length of the search committee, the uh, eligibility past a certain time, that it doesn't discuss that. So that's where that was sort of open. And so what you're saying is that was a concern. But here's the deal. This is how the process works. If that concerned executive committee members, then they handled their concern by voting only people who, who had would eligibility to left. be, yeah, yes. who would continue to be executive committee members. So, yeah. so that's I, a real. You might see a, a bylaw revision in the future for their bylaws to exclude members who are in the final year of their final term or something along those lines, right. From being eligible to be named to the committee. So, cause right. I know there was some concern about that. And, you know, like I said, there was, that was probably the one that was the most discussion. Yeah. Uh, there was another point of discussion, uh, early on in the meeting, uh, when one executive committee member asked why the entire meeting was not an executive session. And right. I thought Dr. Rummage handled that well. He's like, Hey, this is public business and we want to do it publicly and open and be as transparent as we can. And when we talk about yeah. personnel issues, we will go into executive decision, which I'm okay with because at times that needs oh, to sure. be done. That's, and, that, and, that's, and that was fine. That's normal. That's normal yeah. for any kind of businesses. Personnel issues are in executive session and then other things are open. Um, uh, exercise kind of, they, they call them uh, at the government level, they call them sunshine laws that business is done in the sunshine. Um, but I've never it, heard that before. A, yeah, I mean that's for if government, uh, you know, school board meetings are are open to the public, things like that. It's called sunshine laws. Huh. But all right, um, well, let's talk anyway. about this committee, Amy, because we got yeah. six people. So, we wait, expected a, a committee of seven. But wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. I just wanted to circle back and say that this oh. was a great example. The other thing of a concern about a bylaw, but the way they concern about their limitations, but the way they exercised it was they voted how they wanted it to be. And so yeah. that was the, the process worked. All right. So the committee is supposed to have seven, but it has six. So explain that to us. Well, Dr. Rummage, who is the chairman, uh, again, uh, he is automatically placed on this committee as chairman in an ex officio role, still voting member and everything like that. 
but his chairmanship ends in June. And like we right. mentioned, the committee is likely to take longer than six weeks to find a new president. Therefore, if he was going to be on the committee past June, he would need to be elected to the committee. Well, that would take up one of the elected spots of the six. And that would also mean that the committee chairman in June, whoever that may be, is elected. Will be if he's issue. not on this list, would be added. So the potential exists for a seventh member to be added in June. The other members are Joe Knott, an attorney from Raleigh, North Carolina, Adron yes. Robinson, a pastor from Hillcrest Baptist Church in Country Club Hills, Illinois, Roland Slade, pastor of Meridian Baptist Church in El Cajon, California, Carol Yarber, who is a uh, retired medical administrator from Athens, Texas, her husband was a pastor, and Stephen Swafford, pastor of First Baptist Church, Rockwall, Texas, and Swafford is the chairman. So that ex officio spot means essentially Stephen Rummage is, is sitting in two seats right now. He's does he in, get two votes, Amy? He does not. Okay. But he is sitting, he's kind of holding two spots, overlapping that ex officio spot and an elected spot that continues on when a new chairman um, of the executive committee is elected. Assuming that individual is not one of these other people, uh, then there will be yeah. an ex officio member. So right now, basically, Dr. Rummage got the aisle seat with an empty middle seat in a Southwest flight. What an interesting analogy. Yes. That's great. And that, here, that thing will be filled stay. in June. So That's right. Yeah. That's right. And they had their first meeting already. Like they Yeah, left they met right the after that big to meeting. select the yep. chairman. Uh, and then they, uh, they you know obviously prayed and asked for prayer. So that's our committee. We'll keep an eye out on, I'm sure they will be, uh, releasing some information about, you know, we're taking nominations and recommendations, you know, yeah. that kind of and stuff. One thing, we talked about this last week, that because of the process, there was very little. We said, this is truly uh, this is truly in the Lord's hands. There's very little ability to for any one person to control, you know, how this committee looks. And that could end up in any way. They could be all from one state. They could be all a certain age, all styles of churches. This is a very diverse committee. It is. It um, is. You have lay people. You have it's um, racial diversity, gender diversity, pastors. Like you, you have a lot of um, representation on there. Many different perspectives, church sizes, all of that. So uh, the the process. As cumbersome as it was, it had the desired result. Yeah. And it's one of those things where I could have seen Dr. Rummage as chairman if this was like most other situations where he selects the the people, yes. uh, you know, like appoints people to the committee. I could have seen him appoint this exact committee. Yes. Because yes. I, I, we were looking at it from, you know, after the fact, I was going, you know, this is probably a committee you would have picked if you had everybody in the room. And you said, all right, uh, we, we need, you know, we want a female representation. We'll get Carol. We need yeah. some, you know, diverse geographically and, and ethnic. Yeah, I and mean, you have, got and, yeah, Adron California, and, I mean, California it, it just, it was to perfect. North Carolina and Illinois and Texas and, you know. Yeah, yeah I mean, you got a couple of chairmen of, you know, your, your other uh, subcommittees on there. I mean, it it's the, the mm -hmm. committee you probably, uh, maybe not exactly, but you could have seen somebody totally just handpicking this committee, you know, as the chairman, so. Uh, in this case, the, the Lord handpicked this committee. Yes. So, and yes. uh, it's a it's a good committee. So I, I was very pleased with the outcome of Tuesday. So we'll be watching that as they, I'm sure, will make 
calls for nominations, for recommendations, things like that. Yeah. Uh, but we definitely need to be in prayer for these people, as well as, don't forget, the IMB search committee. As, that's, for them that is well. correct. They're searching yes. as well. Uh, one other final note that the executive committee did not extend any uh, post-retirement benefits other than some health care, uh, some computer equipment that uh, Dr. Page already had, as well as the last three days of pay in March uh, after his retirement uh, that's basically the package and counseling. That he got. And, uh, and, and the counseling. I'm sorry. Yeah, I forgot about that. And the counseling, um, uh, paying for counseling for he and uh, involved parties in uh, Dr. Page's uh, inappropriate relationship that he resigned because of last month. So that uh, was also covered. That was the executive session part. They announced that afterwards with the uh, search committee as well. So uh, Tuesday was a, a somber day. Uh, but the, mm-hmm. the business was conducted, conducted well. Dr. Rummage led well in that as well. So uh, it, w- it was a good day, uh, a day that we, we didn't want to have to be there for uh, because of the circumstances. But in all, uh, I thought the executive committee handled it well. Very good. All right. On to some trustee meetings. Southern Seminary's trustees met this week and elected their first African-American officer in the school's 159 history by a unanimous vote. The election of Alan Keith Daniels, a businessman from Texas and member of MacArthur Boulevard Baptist in Irving, is going to serve as the board secretary. Yes. So uh, in addition to Mr. Daniels, uh, Matt Schmucker, who is um, a member of Capitol Hill Baptist Church um, in Washington, D.C., he is the chairman of the uh, of the board. First vice chairman is Clint Presley, senior pastor of Hickory Grove Baptist Church in Charlotte. And uh, John Montgomery, dean of spiritual life at California Baptist University, is second vice president. Is that the old country music singer? John Montgomery. uh, Unless his middle name is Michael, I don't think it is. Okay. Would that be wild? All right. Uh, also, passed that would a f- be <laughs> that. That would be. Do you think he'd get up there and do the auction, the auction one, which is yeah, the Grundy nowadays, County auction? I'm not sure that's good. Like that. Yeah, I, yeah, that that, that yeah, yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, moving yeah. on. Fifty-one point five million dollar budget was passed for next year, which is just <laughs> astounding. And uh, also honored Dr. Moeller for his twenty-fifth anniversary of as election as the Southern Seminary's president. So. Uh, that was kind of neat. Uh, they also elected Jeremy Pierre as uh, an associate professor of biblical counseling. And Melissa Tucker was added as a assistant professor of elementary education. Jarvis Williams as an associate professor, New Testament, and approved some uh, sabbaticals. And John David Trentham was added as an associate professor of leadership and discipleship. Very nice. 25th anniversary. This actually reminds me of a trustee dinner at Southern Seminary years ago when we had a professor that had been there 25 years, which is very odd because most of the faculty that would celebrate was like five years, 10 years, they would get recognized. But T. Von Walker was celebrating his 25th anniversary. And I remember Dr. Muller congratulating him several times on his quinquennial celebration. Quinquennial, quinquennial, quinquennial. Yes. So, Mary uh, we congrats. So, so when I hear it's Dr. Moeller's 25th anniversary now, I'm thinking about that trustee banquet and say congratulations on your quinquennial. All right. Yes. That, that does work well to the, the Jim Jimmeroo. Um, it really does. Mary it does. All right. Anyway, Back. on to Ontario, California. 
Gateway Seminary's trustees also met, approved an $11.9 million budget for the coming year, and also approved the sale of the Brea campus, the uh, the former regional campus down there in Southern California, uh, as they have relocated the main campus to the Ontario area. Don't need the Brea campus anymore. So they have uh, sold that as well. It's a two-acre property, about 25 miles from the main campus. And that is the uh, final step in the transition that began about four years ago to Southern California. Yeah, very good. It sounds like it was a great. Sounds like it was a great meeting. Yep, they added more than a million dollars recently to the seminary's endowment uh, in the coming of two gifts. Oh, that was very generous of you, Amy. Um. Well, it. I, yeah, I think that we was have supposed a to be anonymous. Here. Is that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. They also elected some new officers. Larry Felkins of Alabama as chairman. Keith Goking of Missouri as vice chairman. Gail Fee of Nevada as secretary for this coming year. Over to her. New Orleans. Oh, you do? Congratulations cool. to Gail. All right. Over to New Orleans. They had a meeting last week. We just got the report this week. And uh, they passed a $23.4 million budget, four new Masters of Arts uh, degrees. In addition, they added ERLC President Russell Moore as a visiting professor of theology and ethics. And Liberty University apologist Gary Habermas was added as a visiting professor of apologetics. Very cool. They also announced a uh, multi-ethnic initiative called Different Voices, and the goal of that is uh, increase in minority representation in every layer of the seminary community. So students, staff, faculty, uh, they are going to have workshops, um, a doctoral fellowship, uh, lots of things, and, uh, and it seems like this was developed through getting uh, feedback from minority students. And so they uh, had a lot of encouragement about the name, um, different voices, and uh, just the idea of bringing different perspectives. Yes, John Foster of Franklin Avenue Baptist Church, pastored by Fred Luter in New Orleans, will be the instruction uh, leader for this. He will lead the school's instruction committee for this different voices group. And in addition to this, they also announced a tuition cap for SPC students. Uh, basically say you'll pay up to 12 hours of your first semester or your semester of study. If you take 15 or 18, uh, those are basically gratis. So uh, if you, you yeah. can take 18, you can kind of move through a little bit quicker if you can handle that load at 15 or 18, but you only have to pay for 12. So uh, that's a nice little bonus for students, uh, the students that choose to go down there. Also uh, added a uh, prison extension at Whitworth Women's Facility in Georgia. Uh, it goes along with uh, a few other prison uh, extensions that they have. And an undergraduate training site was approved at Friendship Baptist in Ellaville, Georgia. And they launched undergraduate programs at their extension in Florida at the Church at the Cross uh, down there in the Orlando Extension Center. Amy, back to Southern, they have a neat little summer academy that they're going to have for Boyce College this year. If you have a rising high school senior, junior, or sophomore, uh, you can kind of go to Boyce College this summer for a week, get some college credit as well, and you know, kind of get a picture and a glimpse of what's going on at Boyce College. Yeah, and here's the thing that's really cool about this. Um, and and uh, that you get college shared- credit for it. Yeah, you you can. And somebody shared this with me this week when we were talking about what a great idea it was. A lot of a lot of colleges are able to do these sort of dual enrollment options. We're able to do that where high school students can take a class and get college credit. That's great. Um and a lot of them are offered maybe online or or something. This is kind of taking that idea and combining it with the opportunity to have the on-campus experience. Yeah, so it's that fully immersive. 
Right, right. So they get to stay in the dorms. They get to do, you know, have some social things. It's almost like I remember people will do, for me in Tennessee, it was governor's school. For other people, you know, it's different things where you're getting to go do something with other high school students, stay for a week. Um, so this is a way for them to get a great experience. They get college credit. And then it's a great way for, for boys to kind of roll out. Here's what life is like here. So really, really nice idea. Yeah, great idea. Love that from Matt Hall and the gang up there at Boyce College. All right, uh, Amy, some SBC annual meeting news. Crossover, again, is going to uh, showcase the Harvest America outreach. They're going to have a huge gathering at AT AT&T Stadium at 6 p.m. on Sunday night, June the 10th. Going to have a pre-event concert with Chris Tomlin, Switchfoot, Crowder, and Phil Wickham at 5.30. And uh, they're going to simulcast this thing throughout the country. And uh, it's going to be a big evangelism rally at uh, the big, you know, Jerry World. So that's going to be kind of cool. Yeah, really big. You know, that's funny because, um, and I knew this was coming. I wasn't paying attention to the location. And I had looked to see, because you can tour that stadium, and I had looked to see if it was available over the weekend uh, to take Drew. And uh, it wasn't. And now I, this is why. Yeah, so, so take Drew uh, to outreach, you know, to, to crossover. Yes, and then he can go, can go the, see the it. Thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is available Drew, to you tour, just got volunteered. On- Yes, I think it is available to tour the Thursday after the meeting, but this is a way to go as well. And so this is awesome. Um, and all of the seminaries are going to be sending students, as always, doing the crossover events uh, leading up to this. And so they'll be hitting neighborhoods and going and inviting people. Um, and then Sunday night will be a really big event. All right. So what if the seminary offered crossover hybrid classes for high school students? And we combine the last two stories, and you got college credit as a high schooler to go with the seminary for crossover. Oh, very now, interesting. Idea. There's an idea, Matt Hall, Jamie Dew. Very interesting. Yeah. Huh. All right, next up, Amy, we also have some uh, news for the first vice president race at SBC. A.B. Vines has already been uh, announced as a nominee. This week, Mike Gonzalez was announced uh, as another nominee for first vice president yeah first vice president so uh juan sanchez juan sanchez yeah pastor of high point baptist church in austin and president current president of the southern baptist of texas convention announced that he would be nominating mike gonzalez um, and he is the director of hispanic ministries for uh the sbtc and uh the, the the baptist press story which we'll have in the show notes shares just a lot of information about him he's made a great impact there in texas uh and and this is great so we got two great candidates um for first vice president yeah it was it's neat to see you know diverse voices being lifted up and and you know made aware of in the convention you know nominated for these kind of positions so i i'm excited about that i love the the fact that we have Contested elections, Amy. Uh, I do too. We've talked and, about this. Yes. And uh, we, we like contested elections because we don't want it to seem like we're just going through the motions or that it doesn't matter. Right. Because when you have uncontested elections, procedurally what happens is the registration secretary comes up and says, seeing that there are no other nominations, I will cast the ballot for Jonathan Howe on behalf of the convention. I, that would be cool if he did that. Come it, on, Don. It would. Just change you, the name, Don. 
Yeah, but uh, so you would cast the ballot on behalf of the convention. That's part of how it how it goes. Um, when we have contested elections, uh, the the messengers really do have an opportunity to hear from people and to make a choice about their leaders, about direction, all of that. And so procedurally, I think that's just very good for us um, over over the long haul. Yep. And what I think is good also, particularly coming off of a a time in what is still recent history. I mean, you'd say recent history over the last few decades where elections were very contentious and two distinctly different people. We need to be thankful for the fact that even in our contested elections in the modern era, we have people who stand under the Baptist faith and message. We have people who want uh, to reach the nations. Um, and that's something that we need to appreciate and can lead to really civil discourse because we all live under that tent. Yeah. And and you speaking of civil discourse, I mean, the, the one thing that we would like to see in these contest elections is integrity from both sides, uh, as well as, you know, civility and uh, just a, a good, you know, Christ-like attitude and actions as we lead up to uh, election time. All right. That's right. All right. Well, yeah, um, some right. other news from Texas, Amy. Sutherland Springs, uh, First Baptist Sutherland Springs, pastored by Frank Pomeroy. That's the the church that had the uh, the mass shooting uh, that killed twenty six worshippers there uh, last fall. Um, released a, an open letter. I guess there were complaints or concerns about uh, the funding for the uh, restoration project of the church. Yeah, I, I did that's... not. I did not see these complaints. I saw the open letter, uh, but they they uh, basically addressed. I, I guess some some concerns or complaints that they were getting from some corners of the world uh, and that huh. uh, they do not. Uh, and this is basically the facts that the committee released in the thing, uh, the open letter, the church has no authority to collect or distribute GoFundMe accounts set up in individual names. Right. Uh, the church opened a Wells Fargo account for victim assistance, separate from the normal church offerings and expenses. So they're keeping the money separate and they established a second specialized lockbox account, uh, hashtag Al Gore, uh, with Amogee Bank to process donations through a professional independent third party establishing an independent data record. So they've done everything to keep the money kind of separate. And then finally, the church's company uh, insurance company, Church Mutual, has paid all costs associated with leasing a temporary sanctuary and legal cost they have incurred. So uh, there, I guess, were some concerns on all the money that was coming into the church and how that was being used. I didn't see those concerns. I guess they were out there, but uh, yeah, they I did not those. even. I I didn't know about this until yeah. this Baptist Press article. So I yeah. mean, it sounds like they're very committed to integrity. They are answering these concerns, and sometimes this happens. You maybe don't realize the confusion that's out there, um, and the best thing you can do is just answer them. Yep, and one more update: a story from Texas. A third accuser in the Paul Pressler case has come forward. Another affidavit was filed. In that case, in federal court, April 11th, and uh, it basically mirrors the other two as well. Uh, this one was from a uh, former attorney at uh, the law firm for uh, Jared Woodfill and Paul Pressler, Brooke Schott. Yeah, and it seems like the strategy, uh, the legal strategy on the part of uh, Mr. Rollins's attorney here, it, these people are not necessarily corroborating Mr. Rollins's story. I guess they're saying I have a story of my own and sharing it. And so they're trying to establish a pattern of behavior. Yes. So that's something to watch. Uh, these accusers have come from different parts of the country. And uh, the, the lawyer says that there are more as well. 
So yeah. uh, we will continue to, to keep an eye on this case. All right, finally, Amy, uh, we, we've seen this done in other states. Uh, Florida, I remember last year, had one uh, where they have, basically, they, they promote all the churches to have baptisms on one day to see what that number may be. Illinois did yeah. it this time. Um, Very I don't, cool. I'm not sure where the, the cabin was that they had. Um, if you remember our Illinois Baptist um, oh, yeah, meeting. the cabin. and the the, cabin. I yeah. loved that. That was really yeah. cool. I'm not sure if the cabin yes. was at the church or not, but the 350 people were baptized on one grand Sunday in Illinois earlier this month. Yeah, that's great. Actually, more than 350 people. And uh, so there's a great story in Baptist Press that's sharing kind of different sort of snapshots uh, of of stories, people being saved and baptized. This is a great, great story of something happening in a state. Yep. Pat Pajak, the Illinois Baptist State Association, had a goal that he announced last year of a thousand baptisms in one day. And uh, he's the Associate Executive Director for Evangelism. And uh, they're still getting reports in. So we're at 350 right now and it's climbing. So uh, unsure if we'll get up to the 1,000 or not. But hey, that's 350. That's something to be excited about. That's so, massive. That's what we put goals out there because we're continuing to work to reach them. Yes. And I'm sure they will continue to work to reach them the next time they have yes. one grand Sunday. So yep. very cool. Very cool. All right. That's going to do it for the news this week. That's going to bring us to our favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right. I got one you're going to like. Oh, goody, goody, goody. This, this I like is, them all, Amy. Yes. This is 1993. Um, and it is the announcement that Broadman Press... Holman Bible Publishers and Broadman Supplies were merging. Oh, I didn't realize they were ever like independent, but okay, that's cool. What? Did you not go to new employee orientation at Lifeway? This entire story was told at new employee orientation. It was maybe told whenever you went through new employee orientation. Okay. But I mean, I kind of knew they were kind of one. Jonathan, I I want you to know that you just said on this podcast that you did not know they were separate. That is like a major part of Lifeway history. uh, Okay. So I, I can't, I can't protect you if, if you get any blowback on this. So Trevin Wax is out there listening. Well, I mean, I knew knew there were different things, but it's like Broadman and Holman. I mean, it's just, I didn't know what parts made up Broadman and Holman. Holman Bibles and Broadman music, I think, right? No, it's Broadman Press. Holman okay. Bible Publishers, Broadman Supplies. Okay. So they come so B&H together. So was formed in 93. Yes. Okay, That's good. the actual thing. So there's a great story uh, in Baptist Press. Talks all about, it has actually a few uh, names of people uh, that were at the Baptist Sunday School Board at the time that were kind of part of this process. A couple of them I, I recognized. And uh, so it's it's just very cool. So this happened in 1993. That means it was... 25 years. 25 years ago. So I'll do that B&H, math for you. Yes, yeah, so thank you. That's really difficult for me. So B&H Publishing uh, is 25 years old uh, I'll have this to let week. them know today. I'd bet that I, yeah. I haven't heard anything about this. I have, bet they have no idea. Yeah. So, so I'll have to let them know to that today. Yes. And here's the thing. I, it's not like I just walked around knowing this. I just stumbled on this looking through Baptist Press uh, issues, and I thought, well, we have to do that. So you know what uh, that means? This is the... Quinquennial of, of B&H. B&H, yes. Very nice. That What a great way to loop all that we together. tied it all um, together. So, seriously, B&H does some incredible work. They produce amazing things, uh, some great books, uh, wonderful CSB, and it all started this week in SBC history. Awesome. Very cool. All right. That brings us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is... 
My resource of the week is a video series that is put out by uh, the Kingdom University Initiative at Southeastern. It's called From the Lectern. It's been going on for a little while, and there are a lot of great conversations. But there's one that uh, that they've just put out. It's some conversations that I had so with... So your, your resource is a video of you. It's not because of that. <laughs> it's not because it's me. It's because of the subject. So it's five conversations about the Southern Baptist Convention. And we discuss why denominationalism, why SBC life, how does the SBC work, how to participate in the annual meeting, and how to participate in SBC life throughout the year. So the okay, reason so I want to throw this in. it wasn't a video in, about you. It's not because it's a video about you. It's because right. it's a video series about your book. It's not about my book. <laughs> it's, it's titled SBC FAQ. I, I didn't title. title it. Okay. I didn't title it. It's, it's right, not Amy. about my book. It is the the reason that I'm putting this out there is because I want people to get involved in the annual meeting. That's right. We and, and that's so, the reason we do this each and every week. Yes. So I I wanted to throw this out these conversations because it shares how to get involved, uh, even just down to some of the basics. The videos are really uh, short. Most of them are under ten minutes. And I uh, want to encourage, but it's part of a bigger project that uh, is in the From the Lectern video series that are re- some really great discussions. So you can go in there and check out more options as well. But watch these videos. And if you're not planning to come, plan to come. There's still time. Yes, please come. I, I feel like George, uh, I mean, not George. Uh, I feel like Jeb Bush. You know, please clap. Please come. Um, please come. Please come to, to Dallas. Uh, we're, we're trying to get, you know, as many people as we can there. We want you to be involved, not just in Dallas, but every year in uh, Birmingham and in uh, Orlando and Nashville and Anaheim. And I can't remember the next one. Um, I think it's Indianapolis, but I could be wrong. But anyway, uh, yes, please come uh, and make your plans to join us every year in June. We've got some exciting news about the executive or about the SBC annual meeting we're going to share at the end of the show here. But, but first, my resource of the week is... The National Day of Prayer coming up May third. All right. Um, our good friend Ronnie Floyd is the uh, the president of the National Day of Prayer, and uh, he is uh, leading America to pray for unity on May third. Uh, you have the opportunity to hold a National Day of Prayer gathering at your church. All the information you need is over at the National Day of Prayer dot org website. That's National Day of Prayer dot org. Uh, there's also going to be prayer gatherings all over the country. Uh, especially, uh, uh, you know, also the one at the uh, the national uh, gathering there in D.C. where H.P. Charles is going to be uh, the main speaker at that. So that might be worth uh, streaming just to see how that goes. Yeah. I know Dr. Floyd will probably Big deal. put his uh, touch to the National Day of Prayer uh, events. So that should be exciting. It's uh, going to be at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time in the Capitol building. So in the evening uh, service. And it's going to be streamed, and you can watch it, I'm guessing, uh, online as well as probably across some uh, television channels, maybe TBN or uh, uh, maybe NRB TV, something like that. I'm sure there will be uh, some TV coverage of it, maybe even on C-SPAN. Yeah, Um, could could be. C-SPAN cover that, Amy, you think? It might. Seems like something C-SPAN would put on. It's in the Capitol. It does. They're there. I mean, why not? Because you can watch H.B. Charles preach on C-SPAN. Yeah, and now C-SPAN has two or three different channels, and so even if it's not on the number one, it could Which be Which channels on the are those on your third. cable system, Amy? Well, it's just C-SPAN 1, C-SPAN 2, C-SPAN 3. See, I thought you would know exactly what channels that is. Oh, I don't know. Because you strike me like, like the kind 13. of person that would... 
that would know I do that. Wa- I do watch C-SPAN, especially yeah. their First Lady series I watched, speaking <sighs> of major oh, yeah. loss this week. Yeah, but see, that was the thing. That was supposed to be your resource this week. I know. I struggled because I wanted to put Barbara Bush's memoirs as my resource this week. It's been a tough I, week for Amy, y'all. I've, I have struggled. This is the first public figure that I really did like shed tears over. Um, and the, the only first lady that I actually got to see up close. Really? Um, yeah, she came to Greenville, South Carolina when I was in college, um, on a campaign stop that they were doing for Strom Thurmond for his last, um, term in the Senate. And I didn't meet her, but I was on like the, I, I was helping volunteer, um, and I was on like the second or third, kind of second or third row back, and she was right there at this little stage. And so I was pretty close up to her, and that's, uh, yeah, first lady I've gotten closest to. Wow, but, that's kind of cool. And I love, so here's my sort of second, I'm throwing in another resource, Barbara Bush's memoirs, amazing. Uh, read the the first one about 15 years ago, and really, really meaningful. Um, but yeah, it's been a hard week. Yep. I'm sorry for your loss, Amy. Um, I, I know I texted you that I, I didn't realize she had died and I was, uh, I was sad for you because I know that Thank you're a, you. a big Barbara Bush fan and, uh, yes, it's, it's, uh, it's nice to see all the great things that are being said about her this week. Um, oh, she was a very, very loved woman. woman. And seriously, I, I actually counted my books the other day. I have 81 books in my first lady's library. Um, her two are my favorites. Alrighty, well, uh, we got some announcements for the SBC annual meeting. We want you to come. We are hosting uh, at least two, maybe three panels on the CP stage on Monday. So be there. You know, you got the pastors' conference going on, but if you want to slip out of the pastors' conference just for a second, yes. let's see Amy and I. Uh, we've got a couple of uh, panels we will be leading at nine o'clock in the morning. That's early. Um, we have the early shift. The early shift, but yes. come anyway. But but what's cool is Kyle Beerman and Matt Hensley will be joining us. From Not Another about, Baptist Podcast. Yes, from their podcast, Not Another Baptist Podcast. Uh, they're going to be talking with us about reaching young pastors through podcasting. So we're going to, you know, how to engage young pastors and, and what we're doing, you know, with this podcast, with their podcast. So we're just going to have like a, a roundtable discussion. It won't be more of a panel. It'll be just kind of a discussion uh, and you know what we do, why we do it, that kind of thing, and uh, be a chance for you to come and meet Amy and get her to sign your book. So nope, that's um, not what it's about. But come and listen I think to the that's conversation. Exactly what it's about. But um, yes, come and listen to the conversation. Pet Matt Hensley's, Hensley's beard uh, as well. Um, that's weird. He, what you just said. That's well, really weird. He's got a weird beard. So you know. Yeah, but don't tell people to pet it. That's weird. Okay. Well, don't pet Matt Hensley's beard. Uh, but you can stand and admire that work of glory. And, and then at uh, 1.30, right after lunch. So if you're uh, done with the, the Send Lunch at uh, with John Christ or any of the Pastor's Wives events uh, that are on Monday, join us at 1.30 as we interview Beth Moore, Dr. Russell Moore, and Matt Carter, the pastor at uh, Austin Stone, for uh, a discussion on sexual abuse in the church. So something that we've talked a lot about here on the podcast has uh, been in the news. Uh, Dr. Moore has talked about this. Uh, Matt Carter has walked his church through uh, dealing with some of this. Beth Moore, you know, she has very vocal. been very vocal about it. Uh, so that that promises to be a fantastic discussion right there. 
Yeah, we're already starting to think about our questions. So yeah, we are. We are. We're we're getting things together for that. I I am really looking forward to that one. And then later in the day, I'll be talking with Willie Rice and Dean and Sarah at four o'clock at the CP stage on uh, this little thing in the SBC called Calvinism. Uh, it might have reared its right. head from here and there, but for some reason, they they put me on that one to moderate. So um, I, I you're going to do a great job. Yeah, yeah, that something like that. So. That may be the end of my moderating career, but uh, it's like, hey, let's throw this one to Hal. Let him do this one. Um, he'll say yes. Yeah, he'll do it. He has nothing else to do on Monday. Um, so yeah, so that'll be fun. Uh, so, but yeah, we're really looking forward to that. So we got at least three of those. I'm not sure if Amy will join me for the the four o'clock one or not. She's working on her schedule, so uh, we'll see about that. Uh, but yeah, it should be a great time. We'll be there. You can come and uh, get Amy to sign your book. And, and all those kind of fun things. Don't say that again. And we're going to do some Facebook Lives uh, like we did last year. Uh, we did a tour of the exhibit hall on Saturday. Uh, and maybe we'll throw in one or two more. Yep. So it should be fun. But uh, that's going to do it for us this week. We'll see you next week. See you next week. See you next week.